Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Buenos dias. I feel like if I go up there, I'm going to feel really far away from everybody. Is there a way to bring that down? I don't know if it'll uh, bother people. Do we take a vote? I don't know how, this, how you guys do it here in this church. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I think I'll, yeah, this feels better. Thank you. <laughs> ah. Well, it's great to be here, and we want to thank the pastor and his wife, and congratulations. I don't know if uh, he'll watch this, but congratulations to the two of you, grandparents. I don't know if it's the first one or fourth one. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. And uh, we just, Really appreciate the opportunity to be here, to be here with all of you, and thank you for having us and um, supporting us for all of these years and praying for us. Uh, pray for your missionaries and on your way out in, in case um, Chris might forget to hand them out later, but if you didn't grab a prayer card, please grab a couple, you know, put them throughout the house or give them to people that you know pray. Uh, prayer does change things, and that we know for sure, so... Um, but we're just really grateful to be here. Uh, it's a lot colder in, in your church than it is in the churches in Mexico. We, um, we have, some of our churches have the aluminum roofs. So in, especially in the months of April and May, whew, I mean, you're just dripping in sweat. So it feels very nice in here, actually. So, well, um, our family has been uh, in Mexico since 2003. As Chris was saying, our little guy was, was just four months old when we went down there. And uh, we started out helping other missionaries. That's what our main focus was with a church plant when we first got there. And we became the children's pastors and the youth pastors uh, back then. And um, we were kind of helping other missionaries and pastors with their vision uh, helping to build a school in Oaxaca. Chris would go with teams and go to a school in Oaxaca and help build uh, a school there. So that's kind of what we started out doing. And then 14 years ago, about 2007, we started being involved in this one particular neighborhood called El Coli. And El Coli um, includes three different colonias, as we call them, colonies. And um, when we first started in that neighborhood... The, the streets were mostly dirt, and the houses were kind of made, put, put together with whatever was available, and um, there was a lot of need everywhere. It was, it was very visible. In fact, when we've taken teams in to go and um, hand out invitations to come to the VBS and so forth, we get on the van, we get on the van, and we're all hyped, and we, you know, we get there, and they put little uh, things on their head and so forth, just a like, clown outfit, and you know, just to llamar la atención, you know, to, to get people's attention. And um, there's this one part of the neighborhood, it's called Los Terrenos, and when you go in there, it, it almost looks like India. You know what I mean? When you see pictures of India, and to me, I'm used to it. You may, I, I mean, especially if it's rainy season, you've got water coming through, and it's muddy, and it's just, it's a mess. And um, there's trash and there's it's you know the, the houses are just makeshift houses so i'm used to it and i'm like okay guys let's go if you're afraid of dogs stay over here because there's a lot of street dogs and so we got back on the vans and nobody was talking everybody was really quiet 
And it was like, my guys, you okay? Are you guys okay? And the, the biggest guy on the team at this one group, I mean, he was a big guy. And to look at him, he looked, you know, like a tough guy. And he sat up front because he wouldn't fit too well in the, in the, in the other seat. So he's sitting there, and I was like, you guys okay? And he goes, you did not prepare us for this. And I'm like, well, I told you we're going to see a lot of kids. And, you know, if you're afraid of dogs, you know, kind of stick near me because there's a lot of street dogs. He goes, no, 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 you did not prepare us for this. So, you know, it's, it's, it was that kind of a neighborhood. It's that kind of a neighborhood. So... Um, when we first went in there, it started out in a big field, and it started out as a feeding program and um, taking sandwiches to the kids. And then from there, it, we got tired of breathing and, and eating dirt uh, day, a week after week. So we found a, a park. Now, when I say a park, um, it's very different than the park you're thinking of, okay? So I don't know if, I can, if we can get an idea of this park. There's no grass, um, there's a, a, a cancha or like a, a football field. When I say football field, um, you're thinking something else. So it's like a slab of, of cement with some broken wired fence around it. And there's one or two swings on the one side. One's half broken. And then there's a mountain that goes up the side. And there's cows walking through. And there's no grass anywhere. And uh, there's graffiti everywhere. And so it's a little different than the park that you're thinking of. But that's where we started. And we have been in that park, in that area, in that neighborhood the last 14 years. That's been our main focus. And um, just wanted to kind of express a little bit of the challenges that... I don't, how many of you work with children? Okay, have you ever worked with children or you've had kids in children's ministry at some point? You know? So when you take the kids to a VBS, you kind of imagine what that looks like. Well, we do that every Saturday. We have a, an outdoor where we put the two tents and we put the, the lonas on the floor, the um, tarps. And just to give you an idea in, in our neighborhood what a Saturday morning can look like. Now, on any given Saturday, any of these things could happen which we've had teams come in and they, want, they run a really good VBS in their churches. And when they get there, they're like, wait, we, how do you control them? How do you, they're like, you know, uh, talk about sheep without a shepherd. I mean, they're just all over the place. They're climbing the trees. They're, they're climbing the mountain behind us. And, you know, so anyway, so we've learned over the years how to kind of uh, get them under control. For example... You're trying to teach the class, and all of a sudden you have dogs walking through, which is very common. That's a weekly thing. Sometimes we, the most we've ever had were six dogs. We had six dogs at one time on, on the tarps. And then um, you all also, had, I had to write some of them down because I forget. Oh, yeah. One time we had a, a little girl that showed up with um, a box, like you had the little shoe box in the back. And there was a little, I said, what is she? She's carrying her little shoe box to class. I went, what do you have in there? She opens it up as a little baby chicken. So I was like, oh, it's bring your pet to class day, you know? So sometimes it's a cat, sometimes it's a chicken. Some, one time we had a little rabbit. So, you know, that, that's the kind of um, outdoor feel you have. Um, you have them climbing trees, you have them, uh, cows sometimes, horses coming through. Um, my favorite, though, is when the drunks want to come up and grab your phone when you're speaking. So... We, there's about seven drunks that are, they're, they're kind of my favorites, and they're on the one corner all the time. And Memo, Memo used to be my favorite, but thank the Lord, Memo 
left drinking and he's been uh, sober for about two years now. So praise the Lord. Praise God. But um, the other ones, they're harmless, but they'll come up and I'm, you know, they'll come up in the middle of my story and one of them has a question for me. I am Jolie, you know, and I'm going, not now, Cruz, you know. So anyway, that's, I don't know if you can, any, can anybody relate? Okay, so that's, that's the kind of uh, class we have. And um, there's been many, many Saturdays where I'm here teaching the class and, the, and the, um, they, they eventually built a basketball court behind us. And so some of the young people were sitting you know, they'll, they'll sit kind of like, I would say if I'm here teaching the class, probably where the, the hope sign is back there, right? So I'm teaching the class. Well, they're sitting there smoking marijuana. So I'm teaching the class about Jesus and whiffs of marijuana are just coming through. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> so this is not your normal kids class, but that is normal for where we do ministry every Saturday. Sometimes uh, there was one Saturday where the police had come and on the basketball court on this side, one of our young people was getting arrested for dealing drugs. So just to give you an idea of how ministry looks a little different uh, where we've been the last 14 years. But we just, before we, uh, I kind of go into the word and, and get started with that, um, God put that particular part of, part of the city in our hearts. And um, we, never, we never really thought that that's what we would be doing. It just kind of, we fell into it and we also saw needs little by little. And as we saw the needs, we reacted. And we saw things that we hadn't really been a part of or ministry that we had never practiced for or really studied for, or gone to school for, but next thing you know, that's what we were involved in. So um, that's kind of a little bit what we're going to share today, but we also wanted to share with you what the Word of God has for us this morning. How many of you know that God wants to speak to us today? He wants to speak to us every day, right? So, well, before we go into that, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray quick, and I'm going to pray in Spanish. Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. Padre, te damos gracias por esta mañana, te damos gracias, mi Dios, por este nuevo día. Te doy gracias, Dios, porque tú estás aquí en este lugar. Tu Santo Espíritu está aquí con nosotros. Y gracias por tu pueblo, Señor, que está aquí escuchando tu palabra. Que no solamente seamos personas que estamos escuchando tu palabra, pero pónganos en acción en todo lo que tú tienes para nosotros, Señor. Ponemos en práctica lo que vamos a escuchar el día de hoy. Y te damos gracias, Señor. En el nombre de Cristo Jesús te lo pedimos. Amén. Got a little emotional there. That was weird. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe I miss him. I miss him. So, oh, this is, uh, I brought the cowbell here because um, you probably wondered what I was. So here's the other thing. I mean, imagine trying to teach the class. And in Mexico, all over Mexico, when they collect the trash, they ring a cowbell. You're shaking your head, right? So whether it's any neighborhood, any neighborhood, a nice neighborhood, a poor neighborhood, doesn't matter. When they're coming and bringing the trash, this is what you hear. And that is what you hear until they finally come to your door or they'll come to your street and they will pick up the trash and they'll keep going on their way and that's what you'll hear. 
And as it goes off, it gets a little lighter and a little softer, but you're trying to teach the class on a Saturday, and not every Saturday the garbage comes, but when they feel like it, they come, and there's a lot of extra noises. So if you, if you have a hard time staying focused, um, you're going to have a hard time teaching a class in Mexico. But anyway, so that, I just wanted to give you a little bit of the sound effects, uh, especially in, in and what, the reason, do you know why they do that? Why they have to announce that they're coming? For two things. Because if you leave the trash out, the street dogs or the people will come and get to it. And then it'll be a mess. They'll take it out of the bags or they'll rip the bag open and then it makes a mess. The second thing is they want a tip. So if the trash guys come in, you know, and you're putting the trash out there, they, they want to, you know, 10 pesitos or five pesos or something. So um, that's for their tip too. Hey, we're coming. We're good guys. We're going to take your trash. So don't forget to tip us. So, well, anyway, um, we're talking today about something that I can see that you guys are already a part of, and I see the shoe boxes back there, and uh, we've been blessed in Mexico two, two times in a really small town um, in Jalisco, our state. The, the little town is called uh, Juanacatlan, um, and that's where uh, the shoe boxes, they brought in 100 shoe boxes, and the whole, the whole entire town, all the kids were invited to come. And so we were a part of that. So I get excited when I see that. And then also in the neighborhood that we're in for, it's kind of funny because the, they, they didn't get there in time for Christmas, so we did it for Valentine's Day. And in Mexico, we do it Dia del Amor y de la Amistad. So it's a day of friendship as well. And we talked about God's love and so forth, so it was perfect. So believe me, the kid, it's such a blessing. So those of you that are involved with that, God bless you and um, keep it up. So... Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit today about a word that I think we're all familiar with. The word is compassion. And our Lord and Savior understood and identified very well with the condition of humanity. And he saw people, and he had a deep compassion, the word says, right? Not just for their spiritual needs, but he also had them for their physical needs and their emotional needs. And so many times we as believers can feel indifferent to situations around us. We all can, right? Especially when you're from New Jersey. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, eh, suck it up, you'll be fine, you know. But um, there's always somebody that needs prayer for something salvation, healing, a difficult situation. So, you know, can you pray for this, pray for that? So, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves saying a quick little prayer, God be with so-and-so and help them and heal them. And then we get on our busy way and our, our busy day. And we kind of tend to forget about it along the way. Well, Jesus was never indifferent. He preached the good news about the kingdom of God because the people needed hope. They needed direction. They needed refuge. They needed salvation. And the Bible says that Jesus saw people wandering around bewildered. That word bewildered means confused, disoriented, and lost. And he was seeing them through spiritual eyes as Jesus is watching the crowds and the people. We see in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, which is a very common verse, 
And it says, Then Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were bewildered. And in other versions, it says, um, confused, disoriented, lost, and the other word is helpless. You know anybody that's helpless? You know anybody who's lost? You know anybody who's confused, disoriented? There's a lot. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, it's great, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You know, in missions, we hear a lot of that last part of the passage, right? We hear a lot of, you know, the, 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 the fields are ripe unto harvest. God, you know, send forth your labors, but a lot of times we forget the verses that come before that great mission statement, and it allows us really to see the heart of Jesus filled with compassion. And then he's responding to what his heart is feeling, and he says then what he says. You know, God is a God of compassion. And compassion isn't just a New Testament word. It's not a New Testament idea. We think of Jesus and we think of compassion, right? But you know, compassion was about, in the, New, in the uh, Old Testament as well, there's 14 books in the Old Testament that talks about how compassionate our God is. So compassion, Jesus coming to the earth was an extension of the compassion that God has for us. I mean, he sent Jesus so that we could have reconciliation with our relationship with him, isn't that right? So compassion didn't just happen when Jesus came. Compassion was happening well before when God created the, the world and he made Adam and Eve. He had compassion already from the very beginning. And that's who, who we serve. So there's a lot of synonyms for the word compassion. Maybe you can relate to one of them if, if compassion's not really your word. Maybe empathy, sympathy, kindness, merciful, tender-hearted, consideration. Did you ever think of that one? Consideration. Sadness. He had compassion. Some people have compassion and they feel sad. You ever felt that way? Sadness. Loving, soft-hearted, or gracious. We would all agree that these are beautiful feelings that a person can experience, and in many cases, they're just that. Feelings. I know in Mexico, when you stop at a stoplight, in our city, our city uh, the city of Guadalajara has boroughs just like New York does. We have Telaquepaque, uh, Telajomulco, we have um, Zapopan. So we have the boroughs of Guadalajara. So the city of Guadalajara with the boroughs is close to 10 million people. Just that city. So if you, if you think about it, the country on, of Honduras has only 8 million people. So our city has more population than the country of Honduras. Isn't that crazy? But that's how many people are in our city. So when you go to the stoplights and you're in your car, it's very, very common to see children, families. Uh, when the light changes, they will go up to the cars and beg. Sometimes it's blind people, sometimes it's people in a wheelchair, whoever. So every single day, you will confront You don't even have to get out of your car. 
you will confront a, an opportunity to show compassion. A lot of times, um, they're little kids. Some of them are, you know, five, six, seven years old, and they're, they're on the street, and they're begging. They've never been to school, and they will never go to school. A lot of them never had a, a birth certificate, and without a birth certificate, you cannot go to school. So we know a lot of kids that never went to school never will go to school because their parents have never registered them. So they will never, they don't, they literally don't exist on paper. And that's very common. So you have to decide in that moment. You can look at them and say, I feel sad. I feel sad for that little kid. Oh, it makes, look at, they don't have shoes. That makes me sad. And we all would have that feeling. I would, I would agree. I would hope. But what do you do with that feeling? What do you do with that sadness? And that's what Jesus confronts us with in, in the Bible. Well, we learned after time to always take granola bars with us. There's one boy, David, that he's always at the same stoplight. And I'd roll down my window and, hey, David, how are you? How's it going? What size shoe are you, David? He's, he started out being 10 years old. And then by the time we've known him now, he's been like, he's, now he's 15. But, you know, what size shoe are you, David? And he'd tell us, and next time we were at a store, we'd go buy David's shoes. You know, the kid at the stoplight. So um, God doesn't want us to just feel bad. God doesn't want us to just feel sorry. He doesn't want us to just feel tenderhearted. We're going to do something with that, right? So Jesus' compassion always leads to action. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. In Matthew 14, 14 through 21 as well as all the other Gospels, we see the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. And here it says that he was moved with compassion for them. And the disciples came up to him, and the disciples, this is what the disciples said to Jesus, can you please send them away? Look, they're hungry. Can you send them away so they can go get some food? Maybe they can go buy some food or get something to eat. Can you, Jesus, please send them away. So Jesus, um, he just wasn't going to do that. I mean, the, the disciples were being honest. You know, they were tired. They had been working. Um, they were hungry. And, you know, their event was over. Jesus preached and shared the word. Now the event, the up, oh, look at our time. The, it's over. You know, we're scheduled to be done by eight. Maybe they were off the clock and they're like, oh, we're We're done. Jesus, send them home. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you know what? Don't send them away. You feed them. So the disciples are like, oh, what? We can't do that. Well, no, you can't. But Jesus can. And so when you do things with the power of Jesus, there's a lot you can do. And a lot of times we don't do things because we think we can't. Well, that's not me. I can't do that. You know what? That's not my personality. I just, you know what, that goes above and beyond when I'm, no. I'm, are we getting paid for that? Nah. So in Mark 1, 41, it says, then Jesus moved with compassion. Here's another example. Moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. This is a leper. And touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Because remember that leper that said, if you would be willing you could heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Jesus touched a leper. 
Now, everybody knew that leprosy was not treatable. Everybody that was around Jesus in those days, the leprosy was not treatable. They would probably look to Jesus and say, why would you take that risk? Why would you, why would you do that? Everybody knew how to social distance themselves from lepers in those days, right? Leprosy. They had to call out what they were so that people could move away. And Jesus wasn't afraid. He reached out. It touched him, and he was healed. Luke 7, 13. Here's another example. When the Lord saw her, the widow, he had compassion on her. And he said, don't cry. Another version said that his heart went out to her. So what did he do? Don't cry. Now remember, this woman only had one child. She's a widow, and her son had died. He's in the coffin. And the Bible says, verse 14, he went up and touched the coffin and raised her only son from the dead and gave him back to her. He didn't just feel sorry. He didn't just hug her and say, don't cry. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry for you. <sighs> he did something about it. Here's another example, Matthew 20, 30. Here we have the story of two blind men sitting by the side of the road and a large crowd is going by. Remember Jesus, he drew large, large crowds. And so these blind men, they can't really see what's going on, but they can hear movement. They can hear, you know, that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So they're, they're like, oh, here's our chance. So the two blind men are sitting there and they start to cry out while Jesus is walking by with the multitude. And they say, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. And so the crowd, the Bible says, is annoyed by them. You ever do ministry and you're annoyed by somebody? I can name a few. <laughs> in fact, when the teams come in and they're like, ah, oh, Julie, there's this one kid that always, and I go, okay, it's either William, <laughs> Sergio, or, you know, so it's always the same four, you know? So I'm like, and they're like, which one is it? But there's always those kids that you say to yourself or whoever it is in ministry that you're like, oh, Jesus, this is hard, right? But the multitude looks at these two blind men, and they, the Bible says they, they rebuked them, and they told them to be quiet. Shh, cut it out. He doesn't have time for you. That's what they were thinking. They were probably thinking, we're more important than you are. But that's not our, the way our God works. So Jesus stops. Because they cried out again. Even though they got rebuked and told to be quiet, what, what did they have to lose? What did they have to lose? So they cry out louder, the Bible says, even louder. Even more obnoxious, right? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops. And that, the Bible says that he asked him, what do you want from me? He said, we want to see. And the Bible says in verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. And followed him. See, when you move in compassion, you're going to lead people to Jesus. When you move in, in those feelings and you put into action those feelings that you have, like doing the, 
the boxes, the, you know, the Operation Blessing boxes and other things that you're doing for the community and so forth. And uh, I hear you have Teen Challenge coming soon. Those of you that help with Teen Challenge and so forth, which we'll get into that in a minute, which we never thought we would be a part of that, but God can do things in you and through you when you step out and you can do uh, things for him that you're going to lead people to Jesus' feet. So one of the things I was thinking about, you know, Jesus, when he touched the blind man's eyes, he wasn't thinking, oh, this is a perfect photo op. All right, can you get this? Because I've seen that happen. Make sure you get it. Can you get a close-up of when I'm touching his eyes so that we can get that, so I can put on Facebook. The simple motive that Jesus had is that he had compassion. And he wanted these, these two blind men to see. I, I remember when we first got to Mexico, um, we were working with some different missionaries. And one day we went to the market with this, the missionary's wife. And um, I went with her because she said, why don't you come with me? So I'm, I'm new, you know, I'm kind of learning you know, okay, what's this whole missions thing about? How does it work? And I'm, I'm looking up to the other missionaries. And this woman, we go to the market, and this boy comes up to her. And he's pidiendo limosna, which means he's begging. And so he could have, you know, maybe it was money, maybe it was food, you know, do you have something? And I watched. I kind of stood by just to see what was she going to do. And she shoot him away like a fly. Like you would shoo away a fly. Ah. And I was surprised. And, I, and I really, it really shocked me. And it hurt me back then. And I said to myself in that moment, I said, God, if I ever get to that point, send me back home. Send me back to the United States. I don't need to be here. They were there not too much longer after that. They were only there like maybe three more years, but that always stuck with me. And I said, God, I don't, I don't ever want to have to get to that point where you're, you get so used to seeing poor people, you get so used to seeing need that it just doesn't affect you anymore and it doesn't bother you anymore. But um, God wants us to be moved. Jesus' compassion always leads to action. And, I, and I'm just going to go through some stories quick, and I wanted you guys to see what you have been a part of because of your extended compassion in giving for the harvest. It allowed us to show compassion and other people through the ministry there and to reach people for Jesus. So um, I'm going to start with the picture of, of Julia and Katia and her family. In the, in the top picture where you see Julia with the green shirt on, she had seven girls. And when we first got to the neighborhood of the Coley, she was one of the moms that would come out with her girls. And I just want you to know, we were in that neighborhood for two years. Every single week for two years. And even during the week, we would go from door to door knock on the doors and invite them out and say, hey, we have this class on Saturdays. Why don't you send your kids? So we were in that neighborhood for two years before the first person accepted Christ as their savior. No, the kids were easy. 
you know, every week. Yeah, we want to ask Jesus into our heart. But to get the parents and the families on board, that was, that was harder. That was much harder. So two years, she was our first convert in that neighborhood, Julia. And Julia had seven girls, a very uh, sad situation with the father of the girls. Um, he was abusive and so forth. She, she eventually left him and took the girls. So her, out of her girls, out of her seven girls, the bottom picture is Katia. So the last time we went to itinerate, this was five years ago, Katia was bad. Katia had gotten involved with drugs, even though she had gone through the, the kids program, and then she, we had a girls' class afterwards, and the girls' class um, was every week, and we'd go pick up the girls and teach them the Bible and so forth. After the girls' class, she was now 18, now she's 21, and at 23 years old, she was heavy into drugs, big time. So I went to visit her, and, and her mom was like, I don't know what to do. And she was so addicted to drugs and, and, and alcohol that she couldn't even put a sentence together. She was a stick. There was nothing left of her. Her eyes were bloodshot, and I tried to talk to her, and I said to her mom, we got to find her a place because she's, she's going to kill herself. This is going to end very badly. So through trying to find a um, centro de rehabilitación, rehab center, trying to find Katia Rehab Center, which we did, and she was there for eight months. Through that ministry, we were able to be connected, and, and this whole last term that we've been in Mexico, God opened the door for seven centros de adicción, um, alcohol and drug rehab centers. My husband and I, we have never worked with addicts before. That is not our thing. We have always worked with kids and youth. We're school teachers. I've always, you know, I love kids. Give me a room full of kids. I'm in my element. I'm happy. But I had never done this before. And I said, God, this is, this is, this is out of my comfort zone. The first time we went to the rehab center, because for taking Katya and visiting Katya every Sunday and going to visit her and taking her supplies and food and seeing her get better, I got to know the director. And in the first place, it was the director of the men's, and then there was a women's. She was in the women's one. And little by little, that director had connections with other rehab centers. So through that connection, we've been able to go into seven different rehab centers close to and around Guadalajara. And the last one, you see the beds on the floor, that was, that's one that's kind of out on the outskirts of the city. And before we left Guadalajara, there was a church in New Jersey that happened to get a hold of Chris and said, we want to do something for a drug and alcohol center. How can we help? And we said, you know what? They need bunk beds. There's this place. There's about 50 guys there that some of them, they've just pulled off the streets and they need, they're, they're on the floor with, you know, these, some of them just don't, they don't even have a mattress. Some of them are just on the floor with whatever, you know, blanket. And so I said, they need, they need, um, Bunk beds and the colchones, mattresses. So through that church in New Jersey, before we left to come and itinerate this time, all of them now are in bunk beds. They each have their own bed, and, um, which we have a video of, but 
it was going to hard, be hard to do that. But anyway, so praise God. So through that connection, um, God opened up that door. I'm going to go quick to the next slide. And Lourdes and Sergio. Lourdes and Sergio, I met little Pepe, little Jose, down at the bottom when he was five years old, but he always looked like he was only nine months old. He was born with an incomplete esophagus, and so he's been feed, fed through a feeding tube his whole life. He's 16 now, and he is still in an infant car seat. So um, after, after I had met him and I saw the baby, I don't know, God just laid it in my heart for that family. And Sergio eventually um, lost the one leg and then eventually had to lose the second leg. But Sergio is now with Jesus. But the cool thing about this story is that when I met Lourdes and her, and her husband, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't, they didn't go to church. They, um, they didn't have a relationship with God. And I kept visiting them and I would take them a Bible and I would take them Christian music and I would pray with them and I, and I encouraged them. And wouldn't you know, literally three doors down from their house, a pastor from an independent church opened up a little tiny church three doors down from them. She can't lug Pepe around. The streets are all dirty and muddy. And then her husband can't go far with the wheelchair for, you know, those times. So they started going to church there. The husband got saved. Lourdes got saved. Their family got saved, Pepe. And the reason I have the door up there is because as poor as they are, as poor as they are, they went to the Tianguis, which is a market, to sell their whatever they could find to sell one Saturday. I mean, um, Monday. It's always on a Monday. And while they're there, people tried to break into their house and steal what they had, which was a washing machine that we had gotten them through your help, a washing machine and a refrigerator. That's what they were trying to steal from these people while they were at the market. And so the neighbors called them and said, hey, people are trying to break in and steal. So... I let, um, there's a, 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 a teacher who came to teach at a Christian school in Guadalajara. Then God called her to um, Korea. She's been in Korea for three years. So she, we're, we're still in contact because she fell in love with this family and has helped this family. And she sent money and said, get them a new door. So here we are, you know, putting in a new door because their, their door was a wooden door held up by chains before and they were able to break through the chains and all that. So now they're getting a new door because God used a teacher full of compassion in Korea. So God can move your heart with compassion no matter where you are for whoever he has. And um, I'm going to go to quick to Yadira, the next picture. So I go to visit Yadira one day and her, she's got four kids there. Now she has five. But I go to visit Yadira, and I, you know, because she um, wanted me to pray with her about something. And so I took a Bible and prayed with her. And so I saw all the kids there. I said, why aren't the kids in school? And she said, well, we, we couldn't afford it this year. Okay. The public school in Mexico, you have to pay for an inscription fee for each child, which is about $25. You don't have to pay a monthly fee, but the inscription fee is $25 and you have to have a uniform and they have to have all of their school supplies in order to go to school. So for each child that was $25 plus their school supplies plus their uniform. She said, we just, we just don't have it. So missions funds, money that you guys give. I said, these kids are going to go to school. So next picture. They got all inscrito, they got signed up for school, and all four of them were going to school. 
because you guys have compassion to put money for missions, and sometimes you have no idea what it's going for. So I want you to have an idea of the different things that it's going for. Amen? I'm going to go to, real quick, Juana and Cornelio. Juana and Cornelio, this story is just the power of God. The power of God. So Juana, up in the picture there, I've known Juana for the last 10 years. And little Ruben, Ruben is the guarito, the, the one that's right in front of her, the little boy that's right in front of her. He, when, I, when he used to come to the kids' class, he had sores all over his arms. He had eczema so badly that on his stomach, on his arms, in fact, every team that would come, they'd be like, what's the matter with him? What's the matter with him? What does he have? So I started taking him to the dermatologist, and he had to have special cream, and it was, it was really bad. They had no money. She would try to go sell things at the market outside of her home and so forth. And her husband, her husband, well, not her husband, the father of the five kids, because Jero is not in that picture, so they have five kids. He was not, he wasn't a bad man, but he wasn't a nice man. Does that make sense? So he drank a lot on the weekends. He drank a lot. And so I started getting involved and, and with Juana because Juana would come and was very faithful every Saturday and would help with the teams. And so there was a church, there is a church about six blocks from the canchas, the the. the um, park area where we are. So they were having a Friday night uh, alpha group and they would provide dinner. So I invited her and a couple of the other moms and I would go into the neighborhood, pick them up on Friday night, take them. And so she gave her heart to the Lord and she was really excited about going in church, being involved in church. She wanted to go Sunday mornings. But her, the dad of the kids said, there's no way. He started making fun of her. Uh, gave her a hard time. He would not allow her to go to church on Sunday. And she had to sneak to go to church on Friday. So the boy, Alex, who's standing next to his mom up at the top, because that's an older picture, he got involved in drugs. And eventually they had to put him in a rehab center. And the dad was just beside himself. One Sunday morning, this was two years, two years of her being mocked and ridiculed and being told, what do you want to go there for? She's getting ready to go to church. And he said, I'm going to go with you. Because his heart was hurting for his son. And he said, I've tried everything. I don't know what else to try. I'm that desperate. I'll go with you because I'll maybe, I'll say a prayer to God. Maybe that'll help. He never stopped going to church. And Cornelio accepted Christ they both have been going to church. Last night there was a, um, a special matrimonio service, like a, a marriage night, you know, for the couples. And they had a, um, a beautiful dinner and so forth. So they went to that. She sent me pictures. So as they were coming to the Lord and getting closer to the Lord, I said to them, you know, if you really want God's blessing in your family and in your life, you two need to get married. Because that's, that's not my idea. That's what the word of God says. And so, of course, there's no money to get married. So you, the church in the United States, helped to pay for their marriage license. And they went and got the marriage license and now got married, going to church, and their kids, their family. It's, it's amazing what God can do. When you step out in faith and say, I don't want to just feel sorry for someone. I want to make a difference. And um, I ask that you pray for Cornelio 
because about two months ago we found out he's got stomach cancer. And, um, you know, the enemy, he's fastidioso. He's, he's really a pain sometimes. But we just really believe, and we would, wouldn't that be amazing, though, if God would just heal him? Can you just stretch your hands in this direction for a second? God, we thank you. We thank you for this family. We thank you for Cornelio and for Juana. Lord God, we just ask you right now to touch Cornelio's body. We ask you to deliver him from this stomach cancer in Jesus' name. We ask you to take it away. We ask you to deliver him. We ask you to clean all of that area where the cancer is and take it out in Jesus' name. Bring healing to his body right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you for his healing. We know you can do it. You are all powerful. Like we sang this morning, that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible, God. And we declare him healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're going to skip Oli, and we're going to go to, because we're running out of time. But um, I just wanted to share this last picture uh, you know, God wants to use your heart of compassion and he is, I can see that, that he really is in different things that you're doing. And even just for praying for people, you know, you say, Oh, I can't do much. If you can pray, that's a lot, you know, or if, you know, with this COVID thing, if you're not supposed to be going somewhere or you're just have to, you're kind of more shut in, use that time and pray for people. God needs you. God needs you. So there's always stuff to do. So one of the things that we do is we do a lot of construction teams. My husband, that's his thing. He's not, he does not um, desire to have the mic in his hand. He likes to do construction and, and he's more of the, the background guy and he's the, the logistics guy. So normally we switch. Normally when we have an evangelistic team in, I'm running around and he's doing all the logistics. And when it's a construction team, He's running with the construction team and working with them, and I do the logistics. So this was a particular team that was coming in for strictly construction from Florida. So they're coming in to do construction, and he told me, he said, there's two women coming on the team that aren't necessarily going to do construction, but one is a nurse and one is a social worker. That's all he said. He didn't tell me that both of them were handicapped. So I'm like, okay. So we go to the airport. We go to pick them up. And all of a sudden, I see, you know, you can tell the group of gringos coming out, right? And some of them look like construction workers. So they're, they're, and I'm like, oh, that must be the team. So I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, I see a 70-year-old woman with a walker. And she is coming with the team. She moves her little chair around. And she sits down right there with the team. And in my mind, my fleshly mind, <laughs> I said, what is what is she going to do? What, what kind of work is she going to do? Like, what, what was she thinking? Boy, did God shut my mouth. So we get in the car, and she and the other woman, um, they rode with me because I, we, we, you know, with the vans and so forth, and then I drove our, our Speed the Light vehicle. And they get in the car, and she was so excited, full of life, and she says, oh, I can't wait to work with you. Every day. So excited to go, you know, heal the sick and, and help people every day with you. I'm so excited. Chris told me that, you know, we're going to work together. And I'm like, 
uh-huh, praise God. And I'm like, what does that mean? Chris, what, what, what? So we get home, and I'm like, I'm like, babe, you didn't tell me. You know, he's like, look, I didn't know that, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, there's plenty of people in the coli that somebody, there's always people that are sick. So I had a couple of people that, okay, well, we're going to go visit so-and-so's mom. We can go see so-and-so. Someone has diabetes. Somebody has uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Somebody. So I just had a list, and I'm like, okay. So we start visiting these people. Her walker did not get in her way at all. If there were steps, she's taking it up the, up the steps. If there were the, she wasn't, she was unstoppable. And she would go there. Now, she was a nurse practitioner, so she, she knew her stuff. And she would recetar, um, prescribe, you know, okay, you need this and you need that. And then they would listen to this. And then before we would um, leave anybody, we would pray for them. What are your needs? We would pray for different things. And maybe a, a son needed saved. And so we would pray with them. Then I, I was done, you know. I, I'm 50-something, and I'm going, okay, I'm done. And she's like, no, we have to go buy their medicine and take it back to them. And I was like, oh, Okay. So we then go stand in line for the medicine. Now in medicine, the medicine in, in Mexico is much cheaper than it is here. <laughs> so you can buy stuff for five, six, ten dollars, but not here. Anyway, so we're standing in line, we're getting all these medicines and now we're getting back in the, in the car and we're heading back to give it to the people. And when that woman left, her name was Beverly. I hugged her and I hugged her and I said, what an angel. What an angel you were. And I was looking at her limitations with my natural eyes. But there's no limitations with God. There are no limitations. And in the natural, I would look at her and say, what is she doing here? And God would say, you just wait. You just wait. When you're moved by compassion, I don't care what age you are, when you're moved by compassion like Jesus was, you're not afraid to move, you're not afraid to touch, you're not afraid to hug, you're not afraid to pray, buy medicine, buy stuff for the boxes, whatever it is that God puts in your heart. But remember that compassion, the feeling of compassion, God doesn't want it to just be a feeling. He wants you to put it into action. And that's really the message that we have for you this morning. And um, we, I know our time is up, so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And, and some of you, God is using you in that area. Some of you really have a heart of compassion after Christ, and, and God has used you and, and continues to use you. But maybe there's more you could do. And then some of you that maybe you're not so tenderhearted, God wants to soften you up a little bit. How many needs to be softened up a little bit? In this life, it's easy to get hard-hearted, isn't it? It's easy to get that tough skin around you and life circumstances and life's problems kind of get you a little hard in there, doesn't it? God wants you to soften up today. God wants to move in your heart, wants to use you to be moved by compassion as he was, to do something. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, touch hearts today, God. Jesus, touch hearts today. Jesus, Jesus. God, give us a heart of compassion. Lord Jesus, you gave such beautiful examples when you walked the earth of how you were moved by compassion. You were moved by compassion to preach about the kingdom of God, to reach those that needed salvation, to reach those that needed healing, to help those that were in need, God. You were moved by compassion to do those things. Jesus, make us more like you. Make us more like you, God. Move our hearts for what moves you. Break our hearts even for what breaks yours, God. Lord, as we had that verse there, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. God, Mexico needs laborers. The world needs laborers, God. Bless this church for sending out laborers. God, we need more. God, even just in that one district in Mexico City, we've lost 20 pastors to COVID. Who's going to take their place? Who's going to pastor those churches? God, we need laborers. God, we need you. We need you. Mexico needs you, God. We pray for Mexico right now. We pray for all the needs that the country has. There's so much idolatry. There's so much religiosity. So many evil things going on, Lord God, and so many people need you, Jesus. So many sheep roaming around without a shepherd. God, we pray for the nation of Mexico. We pray for the young people, those that there's so much addiction around every corner, Lord God. There's so many things, so many problems that pull them, the world pulling them. God, protect your young people, the children, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, for you to send laborers, send church people, send people from other countries, God. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, as your heart breaks, when you see people that are lost, Lord God, the people in the churches, may we not just go to church and leave the doors the same way, but God, that our hearts would break when people are lost, that our hearts would break when we see people that are far from you. God, that we would do something, that we would do something, Jesus. God, send laborers, more laborers to the countries that need you, God, that need you most. Even here in the United States, Lord Jesus, there are areas of the cities and the areas of, this, of these states, Lord God, that need laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God, raise up young people. Raise up people in the churches, Lord God. In our communities, Lord Jesus, help us to be moved by compassion to do amazing things for you, Lord God. Whether it's help or give or even just open our mouth and give words of encouragement and 
declarations of salvation of who you are, Jesus. Use each one of us, God, no matter what our age, use every single one of us in this room. Use our abilities, use our talents, but God, more than anything, the feelings that we have help us not to just keep them as feelings, God, but to do something and to go out and reach others, help others, God, to be a blessing to those that need you most. In Jesus' name, we love you today, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for how you taught us to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Chris, if you can come up here too. If you guys didn't hear her heart this morning, then you weren't listening. <laughs> God is so good. And you guys were definitely put in a place where he's using you mightily. And we could just hear that and feel that. And, you know, just um, we love we love when our missionaries come and share their hearts and what we see God is doing and what you guys are doing. Just think about that. You know, we give our, our faith promises every month. And, and really, we don't know. We're just, it's a faith thing. We're like, we're giving this in faith, and God's going to use it mightily. And how many loved seeing those little kids in those uniforms? How cute. I mean, it's awesome. And, and with this, just so many wonderful things that God is doing. And it's just, I, I don't have enough words. <laughs> to say but we just love you guys and we thank you for being here today and sharing your hearts and we're just gonna reach a hand out to um chris and julie we're gonna pray over them and dear lord we just thank you so much for who you are we know god that you use your people lord jesus in mighty ways lord god when they just give their whole self over to you and we know that's what chris and julie have done Lord, for many years, Lord Jesus, they've poured their heart and their soul into the people of Mexico, Lord Jesus. And you can just just hear, Lord Jesus, the testimonies that's come from this, Lord, and how you're continuing to, to move mightily, Lord Jesus, through their ministry. I pray, God, that you would just build them up while they're here, Lord God. Help them, Lord Jesus, to be built up in strength and faith and peace. And know, God, that while they're here um, doing this financial stuff and, and just letting us know what's happening, remind them, God, that you're still doing a mighty work, Lord, of what they've started in Mexico, Lord Jesus, and how you are with those people and how your hand is upon them, Lord Jesus. And we know, God, that many people are lost and are hurting, Lord God. But you are great, Lord. I thank you for the many teams that have came and helped Chris and Julie. And I pray that they continue, Lord Jesus, to be able to, to go to Mexico and to use their gifts and their talents, Lord, to reach others for you. I, I thank you for that 70-year-old woman, Lord Jesus. She didn't see, Lord God, her disability, Lord Jesus. She saw you. She had compassion, Lord God. And she used, Lord, what she had. Lord, to reach many. 
Help us not, Lord God, to limit ourselves either. Help us not to look with our eyes at situations, but help us to look through your eyes, Lord God, because you had compassion on everyone, Lord God, that you came in contact with, Lord. And it didn't matter, Lord Jesus, if they were rich, poor, sick, healthy, Lord Jesus, you came, Lord, for everyone. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. Thank you for your great love. And thank you, God, for Chris and Julie and their heart for you. Bless them, help them, strengthen them. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.